Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. It's almost here. We are one day away from the start of the 2019 NFL Draft, and there's been a ton of speculation. There's been a ton of rumors, a lot of smoke screens, I think, coming out this week. It's gotten a little bit ridiculous, so it's finally nice that we are only a day away from finding out exactly where these prospects are going to be playing next season. And at this point, there's not that much we can add from a fantasy perspective. We went over the prospects at every skill position over the last two weeks in the podcast. Uh, This week, I updated my rookie ranking. I published a post looking at the ideal landing spots for the top prospects. That was something I did before free agency as well. I had a lot of fun doing that, so I took another swing at it this time around. You can find all that stuff in the NFL Fantasy News River on the Score app. Today, we're going to talk about NFL draft props, and there are some very interesting bets that can be made around the draft, especially the first round. So we're going to go over those today, but before we do, if you haven't yet, Do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast. And if you already have, then I'd recommend going over, checking out some of the other great shows in the Score Podcast Network, like Expand the Zone, our baseball show, Pound the Rock, our NBA show, and Puck Pursuit, which covers everything in the NHL. NBA and NHL playoffs have been wild. Last night was pretty crazy. They're going to be recapping all that stuff for you, so make sure you check it out. All right, I'm not going to go it alone today. I've brought in reinforcements for this one. The Scores gambling writer, Alex Kologi. You can find him and all his betting content for every sport in the betting section of the Score app, including his look at the best NFL draft props to consider. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Alex Kologi. And if you do, you can even see a picture of his latest tattoo, folks. He just got it yesterday. We actually had to schedule the pod around it. Alex, I'm not going to do it justice at all. So you tell everybody about the sleeve and the legendary video game that it's based on. Yeah, so uh, last year decided to get a Mario Kart-themed half-sleeve. Awesome. Which went from the elbow up and... You know, it's only a matter of time until I was like, okay, now I got to make it a full sleeve. So uh, currently in the process of that, um, my arm hurts, man. <laughs> I Like last night I was okay. I was, I put on, you know, I put on my face. I was like, this is okay. Woke up this morning and I need some ibuprofen or something because my arm is killing me right now. But yes, very, very fun. Um, very non-serious tattoo. Probably one that I'll regret in, we'll put the over under at about four. Eh, three and a half years um until i regret that but yeah man it's 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 one of those things where i'm kind of in this like weird point of my life where i'm like i don't really know what's going on why don't i just get a mario kart full sleeve and boom it's on my arm well we can try to help take your mind off the pain a little bit here by (laughs) focusing on the draft some of these bets it's so exciting to find out exactly where everybody's gonna land if you're following it closely i think sometimes you can pick up on how things are gonna fall in the first round so Assuming that you can weed through all the nonsense, like I was saying, all these rumors that are coming out this week, it seems like every player has been projected to every possible team everywhere you look. So, Alex, we didn't talk about the specific bets at all before the podcast. I'm curious to see if you and I land on some of the same ones at all here, but we'll just start with one each. We'll go back and forth here. What bet are you looking at in the first round that you want to wager on? Yeah, yeah. I've been talking to a, a lot of people, and and I'm not an NFL draft expert by any means. I just think when you're gambling on sports and you're dabbling in different markets, you need to talk to as many people as possible. And fortunately, I have a lot of friends who, former colleagues, friends who are are well entrenched in the in, in the NFL draft. And the consensus here, and I tried to lay it out for them and see what I can get. And 
One that most people seem kind of split on is over under three and a half quarterbacks selected in round one. About a week ago, you could probably say, okay, the under might be a good bet. You have Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke. Those guys are probably all locks to go first half of the draft. And then we heard about Daniel Jones uh, sneaking up and then the Giants kind of uh, reasserted that notion, um, saying that they are interested in Jones, you know, at 17. I've seen some people mock him at six. But I think the wild card here is Josh Rosen, because if, if if the Cardinals do go Murray at one and they ship Rosen to a team that wants a quarterback that might select um, Jones or, or Locke, then I think then Jones could be the odd man out. The price here has climbed. Um, the over is now minus 500. Uh, it was it was definitely a lot shorter than that earlier in the week, but I think now that Jones's name is is kind of crept into the late first round, um, it's it's a chalky pick at this point. I would actually go under and bank on um, the Cardinals shipping away Rosen or or Jones just falling out of the first round completely. And I think you made a good point too. Smoke screens. <laughs> I mean, there's just there's so much stuff going on, and I'm. I know that people say all the time, oh, you know, you never, you don't know what's going to happen this time around. I legitimately think that there are a lot of people who are kind of clueless about what's going to happen. And this to me is one of the most intriguing props, the way it's climbed, the way it's been steamed up. Um, and I think that Daniel Jones is kind of that wild card there at the end of the first round. I actually feel pretty good about Jones going in the first round and part of it, and I know it can't just be based on this, but when he accepted that invite to show up on night one, that told me that he has to know. Some team mm-hmm. must have told him. Probably the Giants saying, you know, at worst, we're going to take you at 17. Maybe they're going to take him at six. I would be shocked at this point. Also, it seems like a lot of the draft experts, like you mentioned, that are out there, a lot of them are looking at Jones even as potentially the second best quarterback in this draft at this point. I don't think that's true. I still like Haskins, but I could see Jones go ahead of him. Uh, for me, the big one here is just going to be Locke, actually. I think he's the one that I'm starting to wonder, okay, where is he going to go? Are, are the Redskins going to end up just taking him at 15? Somebody else maybe going to move back up in the second half of the first round? I like what you're saying about Rosen. At this point, I kind of wonder, is Rosen going to end up on a team that you know maybe has a veteran quarterback, maybe a better team that doesn't need him to start right away, like the Chargers or the Patriots? I don't know how many suitors he has at this point, which surprises me, but I could see that him going for, you know, a late second or third. We know the Patriots have a ton of picks in that range. One of those teams I think could step up. I I am going to take the over on that one. I do think Locke is going to sneak in though, and I think we're going to see four. And then the other thing that's kind of interesting to me is let's say a team like the Patriots doesn't go after Rosen. They have the 32nd pick in the first round. They definitely are going to need a quarterback in the near future. (laughs) Are they going to maybe step up and grab a guy like Will Greer or, you know, Ryan Finley or one of these other quarterbacks that maybe they fall in love with one of those guys? They grab him at 32. They get that extra year with him, right? They get the fifth year on the contract. We've seen teams do that. We saw the Ravens trade up and grab Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round last year and just to get that extra year control on him. So, I'm pretty confident that there's going to be four in the draft here. And I also had that one as one of my bets here. Yeah, I I thought it was a a good point what you said. And that's kind of what somebody, you know, one one draft guy told me, uh, you know, you look at Lamar Jackson last year and... You know, he said there's enough incentive for a team to come up at the end of the first round and get the chip to get the cheap fifth year option. So there is an incentive there to go up. So I do too. Um, even at that price, I, I just still don't think that um, there are going to be fewer than three quarterbacks taken. I mean, I, I I don't think that this class is is as good as you know the ones in years past. I don't think the market is as hot as the ones in years past, but I still, you know, if if Kyler goes number one, then I think that you're, you're pretty much essentially a lock to get four quarterbacks in the first round, if not five. 
And I'll say that's another one that I'd be willing to still bet on. I know you're going to have to put a few units down in order to get a good payout on it, but I think Murray is definitely going number one. And this is another one where it's possible that this has been the biggest smokescreen of all time and that they are just trying to create a, a trade market for that pick. But even so, I think that would just lead them trading out and someone else coming up and getting Murray with the first overall pick. I highly doubt that they are just going to outright pass on him. If they do, then maybe you could go after, you know, Murray selected as a top two pick, which is also out there. That's minus 700. Murray is number one is minus 350 last I saw. I just think with these guys like, you know, Daniel Jeremiah and some of the other uh, big-name writers that are out there, they've been floating the idea, trying to put a little doubt out there. I wonder if that's just, you know, the NFL floating some of that out there, trying to create a little bit of intrigue around the first (laughs) overall pick, make sure some of those casual fans are tuning in on Thursday night, right? (laughs) Well, it's funny because, you know, I'm in Phoenix right now, and the Cardinals obviously have the number one pick, and you talk to people about what they're going to do, and it, it actually seems split on what they think they're going to do. I don't know if people are just trying to sound smart and saying, you know what, I actually don't think they're going to take Kyler. But it, it's 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 going to be mayhem. I'm looking forward. Just give me all the chaos. Give me all the smoke screens, all the chaos. Give me all the trades. Give me everything. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Tell me what you think about this one. Ed Oliver, who was a player that I was looking at for my Bills, my Bills picking at ninth overall, I thought, you know what, that makes so much sense to have a guy, a defensive tackle, get you some interior pressure there. The bet for him is that he's going to be selected eighth or earlier. I actually think that's going to happen now. I don't think he's going to be there for the Bills at nine. Yes, pays off minus 400. There's just so much buzz around Oliver at this point. And like I said, I would love to see him fall, but I think the Jets might take him. I think the Raiders are apparently really into him. And it seems like some of the buzz that's been coming out of the Raiders camp is true because they went and sent all their scouts home because they were really upset about the leaks, right? So some of the, the buzz that's coming out of Oakland is definitely true. Maybe that's one of them. I think that a team could even move ahead of Buffalo knowing that he's a player that makes a lot of sense for them. So seems like to me he's going to go around that top five. I'd take the yes on him. It's just funny when you talk about Ed Oliver because this is a guy who is you know, projected by some as the consensus number one guy heading into the season. And then there was this huge overshift. Um, in his draft spot where, you know, they looked at last year and they go, well, is he a real, is he really a number one guy? And then you see him in mocks in like the mid first round. And now he's kind of settling into that true spot, which I think is probably, you know, five to nine range. Um, you know, he was mocked to the Falcons in, in a lot of the March, um, you know, post combine drafts, but now, you know, I'm seeing, uh, Buffalo at nine. Um, at, at this point, I'd probably take the value and say no and hope he falls. But Ed Oliver is just such an intriguing guy because he starts at one, he goes to you know the mid first round, and he's kind of just he's kind of settling in that in that mid tier range where he's probably supposed to go. But at that price, I'd probably take the over on what essentially would be eight and a half. All right, what else you got in your list? So here's one that I thought was intriguing that kind of didn't didn't come to me until you know, the second go around of, of skimming these draft props. And one of those that, that I like is big 10 players selected in the first round under six and a half. Um, I look at Haskins, I got Bosa, I got Hawkinson, and I got Devin Bush as my four locks to go in the first round. Um, Rashawn Gary's stock has dropped considerably, but I don't think, I think with his upside, I don't think he's going to be on the board after day one. Um, so he's gone. I think Noah Fant, even though he's a fringe guy, I think he's going to go. 
Um, that's six right there. And then if you need one more, I'm trying to figure out who that seventh could be, whether it's Chase Winovich or David Long out of Michigan, or, you know, even a guy like Paris Campbell, whose stock's kind of been uh, peaks and valleys throughout the, the offseason. But I like the under on six and a half. I, I, I count six guys. There are some fringe guys that could probably sneak in late first round. I think the guy would be David Long, but um, right now I count six, and that would be an underplay for me. Yeah, I think that's a good call there. Even somebody like Paris Campbell, who I like a lot, I just can't see him sneaking into the first round. And when you look at some of the wide receiver bets that are out there, I'd have a hard time believing that he'd be sneaking into that first round over some of the other guys like Nikhil Harry and Hakeem Butler and A.J. Brown, or... The two guys who are actually have the best odds right now to go in the first round, which is DK Metcalf and Marquise Brown. That's a bet that I'm looking at right now. So will Metcalf be selected 18th or earlier? Or you could look at it just based on wide receivers as a whole. Will will a wide receiver in general be selected 15th or earlier? I'm going to take the no on both those. The Metcalf one, the no pays out minus 170. The uh, wide receiver one, the no pays out minus 400. Metcalf has the best odds to go, but I would just be stunned at this point. When you look at him as a complete prospect, I don't see him being on quite the same level as some of these other guys like Harry and Butler and A.J. Brown. And Marquise Brown coming off the Liz Frank surgery. Listen, I will say, I still think both these guys are going to go in the first round. I think some team's going to be kind of foolish and probably grab them in the 20s. I wouldn't. And when you're looking at the teams, you know, before 15 or before uh, 18, I'm not so sure there's a team that's going to take a receiver. I thought Washington was probably a lock, but now I think they're going to go for a quarterback, whether they use you know that pick to move up into the top 10 and get one, or whether they stay there and select somebody like Drew Locke. Yeah, this is kind of the, uh, this was the one bet where um, the consensus was in on actually the under two and a half receivers taken in the first round. Um, everybody that I talked to, they didn't see Metcalf being taken in the first half, which it's funny because he was basically the headliner of the combine when you talk about the numbers he put up. Basically, just the fact that he looks like you know a, a, a Greek goddess, the way he's chiseled up. Marquise Brown, to me, is the wild card because even though he's coming off of the surgery, I think he's going to be a playmaker. We've seen him be mocked to you know Washington, Green Bay in the mid-first round. But overall, it comes down to the market, and I, I, I don't think that domino is going to fall early. Um, Metcalf, I've, I've seen as early as... Uh, nine to Buffalo. Um, I don't know if they're going to take him at nine. I don't know if he's, if he's going to warrant that high of a grade. I I would rather have Buffalo go with Hawkinson if they're going to take an offensive skill player, but the consensus seemed to be in on under two and a half on wide receivers taken. And you kind of look at that second tier wide receivers when it comes down to, you know, Nikhil Harry and Hakeem Butler, Kelvin Harmon, Campbell, you can throw Debo Samuel in there. There's just a nice batch of receivers. That's probably going to go in that early day two. And unless those guys sneak in, I, I, I like the under on two and a half receivers taken in the first round. Yeah, I think that's, and, and you nailed it right there. I think the amount of receivers with elite upside, maybe some of them are going to be projects, but there is a bunch of guys that have really high ceilings that are going to be available in the second, even into the third round that I don't think a team has to pay up to get one of those guys when there is there just isn't a lock in this group in my mind. And maybe you have an idea of how you want to deploy Metcalf and you're okay with him being a little one-dimensional or you think you can, you know, teach him the rest of the root tree and, you know, really bring him up to speed for the, the pro game. Um, I think he's going to be an impact player. I just don't think he's going to emerge as 
you know, a Julio Jones or one of those really elite receivers, which, you know, would warrant uh, a top 15 pick. And, and Marquise Brown, I think he's going to be a nice piece for a team. I just also have a hard time seeing him be, you know, worth a, even a top 20 pick just based on his size coming off that injury. I think he's going to be more of a, you know, a field stretcher. He's going to be a really dynamic weapon. But the people who are comparing him to, you know, a Brandon Cooks or somebody who can essentially play that number one role, I, I just don't see it for him. But I, I could be wrong. Why don't you give us one more uh, draft prop that you got here? Yeah, you know, I'll actually go off the board a little bit, one that I'm kind of looking at right now, and that's running back selected in the first round, which is at one. I think the under right now is minus 550, the over is plus 350. Honestly, I would still take the under at minus 550. Um, most of the guys that I talk to love Josh Jacobs over 25 and a half and his draft spot. And I think just if you look at running backs and, and where you can get your value from, Last season, watching Philip Lindsay come out as an undrafted free agent and make the Pro Bowl, uh, James Conner filling in for Le'Veon Bell, and just looking at how you can find running back production in the NFL. And I think teams have known this, but you know there there isn't a guy like Saquon Barkley who's going to warrant you know a top fifteen pick this year. And you know even if Jacobs does go off late first round to a team like the Texans or the Raiders, I don't think that a guy like Miles Sanders is going to come up um, and, and get a first round grade from anybody. Um, so I, at worst, I think that bet's a push and I, and I'm still not sure that Jacobs is even going to be taken in the first round, but there have been some, there's been some smoke there with Jacobs. He's apparently the guy that's going to go off number one, um, in terms of the running, the running back group, but I still don't see there being two running backs taken in the first round. The only other guy that I've heard get any first round buzz would be Darrell Henderson Mm -hmm. out, out of Memphis. And I just, again, I don't think that a team is going to pay up for running back when you could get some other players like a Miles Sanders, like uh, David Montgomery. We've just seen so many guys go in the second, third, even, you know, in the third day of the draft who can make an impact. So I agree with you there. I think Jacobs, he might be a Raider. We saw Marshawn Lynch mm-hmm. announce his retirement today. That was another one of those, what seemed like a leak that came out that, you know, the Raiders were very interested in Jacobs. At this point, I think he's going to go either 24 or 27 to the Raiders. In my ideal landing spots post, I'd love to see him end up on the Eagles. I think you could have a situation where he's not Alvin Kamara, but you could have him play almost like the Alvin Kamara role and then have Jordan Howard be your, you know, Mark Ingram or what this year for the Saints will be the Latavius Murray role. So I think that would be an excellent spot for him. But I think there's a good chance he's going to go in the 20s there. And I I highly doubt there's going to be a second running back that sneaks in. Uh, one of the other areas that fans might be able to get an advantage before the draft here is with team win totals. And they came out in most places a few weeks back, didn't have a chance to have you on, but we got you here now. You did an article on them when they first came out. There are so many teams here that you could look at <laughs> and target. And I imagine a lot of people at opposite ends of the spectrum. So why don't you give me a couple that uh, you like? Yeah, it was, it was definitely fun doing this because we project, we actually projected the numbers beforehand before they were even released. Um, and then when they were released, we kind of, you know, did a little glossing over of how they compare and how we did. And most of the stuff was pretty spot on. I will say, you know, it, it's tough right now at this point. The schedules were just released. You still have the draft being taken place, which I won't put too much stock into. Um, I don't want to overreact to, uh, you know, the rookie class all too much. But there are a couple spots that I do like, at least early on. I will say this. I will be staying far away from the AFC South because 
every team uh <laughs> that, that entire division could go eight and eight and i wouldn't be surprised so um count me out for the entire afc south one one over bet that i do like is the eagles over nine and a half um i think the market's kind of cooled down on philly you know nick Foles is out carson wentz is in and obviously i don't love the depth behind wentz but you know if you could tell me that the eagles were going to stay healthy for 16 weeks of the season um i think their schedule actually favors them and if they can make it you know into one piece by december i think they're uh, i think they're they're in for another double-digit win season. And then the under that I like the most is actually my Chicago Bears at 9.5. Um, I think the loss of Fangio, you can expect a step back. I'm still not sold on Mitchell Trubisky, and I think that the North in general is going to be more improved. I think the Vikings are going to be, obviously, a lot of people are calling for them to be better, and I, I too, agree. Packers are kind of a wild card at this point. You know, they look good on paper, but you still need to see results. And I think Detroit, too, I think they did some nice things in free agency to kind of get better. And I think they'll be improved, too. So Eagles over nine and a half and Bears under nine and a half would be my two plays right now. But obviously, we have a long way to go, my friend. For sure. I love that Eagles call, though. And, and anybody who's been listening to the podcast knows I've been talking about Carson Wentz. He came back last year, played pretty well, but he wasn't running the ball at all. He he was missing that whole aspect of his game coming off the, the knee injury. So... This season, hopefully, I mean, we still don't know what's going to happen with his back, but I think he's going to be healthy by week one, and I think we're going to see more of the Carson Wentz we saw in 2017, who was really an MVP candidate until he shredded his knee late in the year, and I think that's just going to lift all boats there. They've added some other good pieces. I'm really excited about the Eagles this year. I like that one. I will say I have one homer pick here. I kind of like the Bills over six at this point. They got a very easy schedule in the first half of the season, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out of the gate four and two, five and one. And I am not a a Bills homer in that respect. I am not going to talk myself into it. When you look at their schedule, the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals, the Patriots at home, where the Bills normally play the Patriots pretty well in Buffalo, And then the Titans and the Dolphins, that's about as good as it gets early in the season. You know, it toughens up a little bit in the second half of the year, but I really like the free agent moves they're making. They're going to add another piece uh, with that ninth overall pick. You know, seven, eight wins is likely for them. A couple teams I'm not as excited about, uh, the Broncos, they're at seven. I'm going to take the under on that one. And I'll say, I, I haven't finalized my strength of schedule yet. I won't do that until after the draft when we have a better idea what the opening day rosters are going to be. That being said, though, the Broncos schedule, it looks <laughs> tough. And they're in a division with the Chargers and the Chiefs, who I kind of like the over on them. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's 10 for the Chargers and 10 and a half for the Chiefs. Those are two Super Bowl contending teams, pretty solid rosters across the board. It's going to be tough for the Broncos to compete in that division. And is Joe Flacco really the answer? Is he the one that's going to fix the quarterback problem? I don't think so. And then the Dolphins. The Dolphins are at five. I'm taking the under there. They start the season with Baltimore, New England, Dallas, and the Chargers. Those are four playoff teams. I think the Dolphins are a team that is more than happy to just have a rebuilding year here. I think they want a high pick next season. I don't think they're going to go out of their way to win too many games this year. So I'm not worried about them going on a crazy winning streak or, or breaking that five this year. I just put my entire bankroll on the Bills over. So if you if we lose, you gotta you gotta front it, right? Oh, you too, you gotta, both of us now. All right. <laughs> so you gotta front it if if it loses. I'm just free rolling by now. <laughs> awesome, great stuff today, man. Uh, like I said off the top, you should be all over Alex's content in the betting section of the Score app, and you should be following him on Twitter at Alex Kologi. 
I'm going to have a ton of analysis throughout the draft over the next few days. You can find all that in the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app, or you can give me a follow on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks again to Alex. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.